Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Folks, I want to talk to you today. The title of my message today is Tee Up Your Downtime. Tee Up your downtime. We've just prayed. It has been a long year. For many of us, eh? for some of us, for many of us, it's been a very long year. A year with ups and downs, a year with difficulties, a year with, with stresses and all these things. And generally, right about this time of the year, we're feeling pretty tired and we're really looking forward to holiday season. We're looking forward to just getting away from it all and having a bit of R&R. You can see how I'm dressed this morning. My Hawaiian shirt. Can you see where my mind already is kind of gravitating? As I come to the close of every year, as I approach any kind of holiday period, there's one scripture that comes to my mind every single time. And I want to share the scripture with you. It's from the book of Ephesians, from chapter 5, and I'm going to read you verses 15 and 16. It says this. See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully with care, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, this is talking about in this flow of this portion of Scripture, Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's talking to them about everything that they've come out of, their sinful life, their old ways, their old habits. But the words that always jump out to me are redeeming the time. <clears throat> Folks, time is one of those commodities we only have so much of. We can't buy more time. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could? We can't buy more time. We can't manufacture it. It's as steady as the rising of the sun and the setting of the same. But I want to give you a word to the wise today. It says, see then, given where you're at, given the year that you've had, given the fact that most of us are going to have at least a few days of, ah, some of us will go away for holidays, some of us will stay at home, but there's a time, a period now where our minds think towards holiday and, and shutting things down. See then, in this time that you walk circumspectly or with care, in other words, guard this time, treasure this time, be careful, with how, be careful how you use this time, redeem it well. Your holiday is only going to be so long. There's only a period during which you are going to have some downtime. And the message that I want to give to you today is an encouragement and an exhortation to make the most of your downtime, to tee up your downtime. Now, you say tee up your downtime. What do you think I might be envisioning during my holiday? A little bit of golf would be really great. Put in some time out on the golf course. I don't know what you're envisioning. Maybe, maybe for you, just sleep. Some sleep would just be good. That's all. What do you want for Christmas? Sleep. Leave me alone, a closed bedroom door, and a bed. Maybe you're envisioning a road trip, just getting away. Maybe it's that book, that book you've been wanting to read. 
just that story you want to get engrossed in. Or maybe like me, you're envisioning a sun-drenched beach, <laughs> palm trees, somebody on hand to just, as you lie on the lilo, to come and bring you cocktails, you know. As you're just sort of going about your thing, somebody randomly comes along, and the next thing you know, oh, look at that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mishka. Oh. Ah, summertime. This is good stuff. I mean, isn't that where we all kind of would love to be, right? Orange juice just never tasted so good. I want to say to you this morning, as the hustle and the bustle of normal life, of the normal routine begins to die down, take time to figure out and to realign what's going on on the inside. So much of our daily lives revolves around distractions. Though we may think we've got things figured out and we've got these really good schedules and these habits in place that we go with, so much of our lives today is about the things that are vying for our, for our attention. We live in a digital age. Everywhere you go, there are adverts. We got mo I mean, the greatest distraction we could possibly have goes with us everywhere we go. Our mobile phones, our devices. I mean, these are things that are amazing. They really make us far more efficient. I, I am so grateful for my phone. But boy, what a distraction it is. Haven't you noticed, especially, you, you, we've got social media nowadays. People love their social media. And it's amazing how important it is to stay up to date and current with what is going on in the world out there, on your news feed. So many distractions. And it always seems especially important to know what's going out there in the world when I come to pray, right? Have you noticed that? You want to pray, you want to spend some time in a quiet time. And it's when I sit down for my quiet time that my natural programmed response kicks into gear and I need to stop it. You sit down, for me it's in the morning with a cup of coffee and as I sort of go, ah. No, wait, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to do something else. And we have so many distractions that come at us all the time. So many things vying for our attention. Now, in the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about four kinds of soil. And I don't, I'm not going to go into the whole parable, the good soil, the hard soil, the rocky soil, and the weedy soil. But I really believe that the, the age we are living in is very, very weedy full of distractions, full of demands. Mark 4, chapter, 18 and chapter 4, verse 18 and 19 from the message, Jesus explains what the weedy soil is like this. The seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. Isn't that our age? So many stresses. So many things vying for our attention constantly. And this kind of lifestyle has actually become a behavior pattern that is hard to break, even when we take time off. We're so used to being distracted. We're so used to being on the go. We're so used to multitasking that even when we take time off, it's hard to break that cycle. But it is important to break the cycle. If you want to maximize Whatever time off you may have, it's vitally important you break that cycle. 
What do I mean when I say that we need to take time out to figure out what's going on on the inside and to realign what's going on on the inside? Busyness on the outside takes our focus off of what's really going on on the inside. We become so preoccupied with the stuff, with the things, with the demands, that we don't pay attention to how we really feel, how we're truly responding to the things that are going on around us. We get caught up in the flow, we go with the flow without too much thought. But the fact is, there's a lot going on on the inside. Whether we recognize it or not, whether we see it for what it is or not, Every day you live life, every day you're going out there, you're interacting with people, you're confronting yourself and others, a lot is going on inside of you. Spend an hour in traffic. A lot is going on inside of you. You might not be moving very fast, but there's stuff going on on the inside. And I want to remind you today that what goes on on the inside is the most important thing. We spend so much time focusing on the things that need to be done or the things that are going on that we actually forget that the most important thing is not what happens on the outside. The most important thing is what's going on inside. Proverbs 4 verse 23 from the Passion Translation says, Above all, in other words, above all the stress, the demands, the pressures, the distractions, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, because from there flows the wellspring of life. Isn't that incredible? God reminds us that the most important area of our focus is our heart condition, is the state of the garden of our hearts, if you like. As I was thinking about this, Yesterday, I spent a little bit of time in my garden. I have a palm tree that drops leaves every now and then, and these are great fun for my dog. She loves them. She chews them up, and my, my lawn is just strewn with bits of palm all over the place. So every now and then, I have to get out there with a rake and rake them all up and put them in the bin and pray that for at least two days, a palm branch won't fall down because then I have to start all over again. But I realized yesterday that Focusing on my garden does not clean the inside of my house. My lawn outside looks great, but my house remains untouched. And where is it that I actually live? Where is it that I actually live from? You may be surprised to know I don't sleep in my garden. I actually sleep inside the house. I live inside the house. I commune and have family time inside the house. And there are times when I need to tidy up my house. I need to sort out my heart. I need to sort out and figure out what's going on in there. Because let's, let's be honest, it's not just about sorting out what's going on inside. Quite frankly, very often we've become so busy and so distracted, we actually need to figure out what's going on inside. We need to ask some different questions and figure out why am I feeling this way? Why am I responding this way? What is going actually on inside my heart? And that takes time alone, and it takes time without distraction. It takes time away. It takes time away from even those nearest and dearest to you. Now, I'm not talking, saying you should go away to your island without your family or anything like that. What I am saying is that while you have some time to set yourself apart, use it wisely. 
I really believe that fear of what is actually going on inside our hearts is one of the greatest motivators towards busyness and distraction. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we face things in our hearts, we feel a certain way, we're frustrated about perhaps a work situation, a relational situation, we have doubt or uncertainty about the next step which is causing anxiety in our hearts, we don't quite know where we're going and what we're doing, and instead of taking the time to be quiet, to turn to the Word of God, to focus on the feelings and the emotions that are going on inside of us, the easiest thing to do is to distract ourselves from them. What do we say? I just need some alone time or I need some vegging time, and we put on the tube, the TV. There's no tubes in them anymore, are there? We put on the TV, and we just veg for a while. I just want to forget about the world for a while. I remember that this is one of the, when I used to play games, this was one of the things. I used to love being able to play games and just forget about everybody and everything else, because you become so engrossed in this new world, whatever it is, if you're playing an action figure game, or if you're playing a football game, whatever it may be, you become, it, it, it absorbs and it takes up your attention it takes up all your focus so that the other things that cause anxiety, they disappear for a little while. But as soon as I switch off that TV, or as soon as I get out of that storybook and close it once again, I'm right where I left off. And the problems around remain the same. My anxieties are still there, the same as they were ever before. And no matter how much I try to disconnect from reality and the truth of what's really going on within me, I always have to come back to that place. And here's, here's why we fear having to deal with what's going on inside of us. You see, we don't want to deal with our attitudes because we want to be able to say, well, that's just how I feel. I don't want to address it. I don't want to have to change. I don't want to have to correct the way I think because right now I feel justified in my thinking. I'm, I know I was right in this situation and that person was wrong. I am justified. I can be angry. I should be upset. I have every right to be offended. And why should I have to change? I don't want to ask questions like, why am I so stressed? Why am I so easily upset or frustrated or so snapping at everybody around me? Why? What's going on? Why am I so angry? Why am I so frustrated? Every little thing. And the reason I don't want to ask these questions is because I know deep down inside, that as soon as I stop long enough to try and answer these questions, as soon as I start asking those tough questions, that the answer will reveal my shortcomings. That's why I don't want to deal with myself. Because I know that the answers to why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling are not because so-and-so said that, or it's not because my current situation or my circumstance is like that. The shortcoming is not on the outside. The shortcoming is inside me. The weakness is there. The breakdown is there. And to deal with that is often painful. Because I have to realize the truth that I'm not as strong as I thought I was, or I'm not as brave as I thought I was, I'm not as intelligent as I thought I was, I'm not as gifted as I thought I was, I'm not as emotionally mature and whole and complete as I thought I was or as I would like to be. And I don't really want to have to deal with that. It makes me uncomfortable. Truth is that it is these very shortcomings that we don't want to deal with that undermine our potential, they undermine our joy, and they make us feel like we constantly need a holiday. Because the truth is, I don't need a break from everything that's going on around me. 
The truth is, I need a break from what is actually going on inside me. That I've been so busy with so many distractions that I haven't given it the attention to deal with it. I haven't taken the time that I need to actually sort this thing out. You see, when Jesus promises us His peace, He doesn't promise promise us His peace while we're on a holiday. Jesus says it this way, in this world you're going to have tribulations. Why? But, sorry, but be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome this world. Jesus says, if you stick close to me, the peace that I will give you, the joy that I will give you, will sustain you and keep you in that place. You're going to feel like you're on holiday all the time. Because that which is going on inside of you is so much stronger than that which is going on outside of you. You see, it's not what goes on around us that defeats us. It's what's going on within us and on the inside that defeats us. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, you must be in some serious adversity. No, that's not what it says. We magnify the stuff. We magnify the situation. The work pressure is so much. And man, do you know what it's like with kids these days? And have you seen the prices of things nowadays? Man, it's just, and the stresses and the pressure. This Bible verse says, if these things are getting to us, it's not because they are powerful, it's because we are weak. We need grace. We need wisdom. We need strength. Not a holiday per se. But we need to deal with that which is going on inside of us. Let me ask you a question. As, we, as you look back on this year, you're going to have an emotional feeling concerning the year that has been. Let me ask you, have you lived out the majority of this year from a place of peace and rest or from a place of anxiety? From a place of striving or a place of rest? From a place of blessing? Or have you approached this year being very needy and looking for blessing? Have you approached this year as an overcomer, looking for places where overcoming can be manifested? Or have you been a victim this year, overcome by many other things? Defeated or victorious? You see, all of these things that I've just discussed with you Though they have a positional truth to them, we live them out in the arena of our emotions. You see, there can be something that is absolutely true, but if I don't feel or see myself according to the truth, I won't live that way. You may say, you're a child of God. Praise uh, Jesus loves me. He will take care of all my needs. Are those things true? Are those true facts? Well, yes, they are. But do you always feel like they are true facts? You see, the realities of these truths are lived out in the arena of our thoughts and of our emotions. We can say that feelings are not important, but the truth is we all run on them. <laughs> oh, it's just feelings. Feelings don't change. The truth is we run on emotions. Whether we're doing well, whether we're doing badly, whether we're up, whether we're down, has a huge impact on how we see the world around us, how we treat the people around us, how we process that which comes at us, even and including the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the love of our family around us. How we feel determines what, how we respond to everything that's going on. Our emotions and our feelings, they determine our attitude. 
You know, getting tasks done has nothing to do with feeling like doing tasks, right? Let me give you a really personal example. I'm getting back into my running. Going running is a very simple, rudimentary exercise. I have to put on my running shoes, I hit the road, and I run. It's very simple. Very simple. Except this consideration that keeps coming up every time an opportunity to run is there, do I feel like running? How often is how I feel a deterrent or a motivator to what I do? Let's be honest. Often. Often. So we cannot say that feelings are just unimportant. Or, you know, The way to maintain a healthy balance, however, in our feelings is not to deny them, but to rightly direct them. Imagine you are taking life's journey in a car. If your emotions are driving, where are you going to end up? If, you're, if you don't keep your emotions in check, if there is no self-control going on in your heart, and your emotions are behind the steering wheel of your life, where are you going to end up? Well, we don't know. Let's just be honest. There'll be a, we'll, we'll probably end up going, all right, I am so lost now, I don't even know what to feel. If your emotions were steering your vehicle of your life, would you be going in a constant direction, heading somewhere specific? Probably not. Probably not. Some days I'd be heading right, other days I'd be heading left. It would be a scary situation. So what do some people do? They stop the car and they say, emotions, get out. They put emotions out of the car. We're not going to deal with emotions because these things are bad. They're leading us all over the place. Close the door, get behind the wheel and start driving. Shut out the emotions. Let's forget about what I'm feeling. It doesn't matter. It's just feelings, right? Numb. We become cold. We become hard to our loved ones, to those around us, to God. We just don't want to feel anymore because when I start feeling, then I get myself into trouble. Then I feel pain. So we just kick emotions out. But that's also a mistake because we can't live a meaningful life with a heart that is numb. You can't. Emotions are a gift from God. They're not a curse from the devil. They're a gift. How wonderful it is on a wedding day to celebrate with joy. Mourning and grief in a time of loss is a gift. The Bible says those who mourn shall be comforted. These all have to do with the way we feel. So what should we do with our emotions? Well, we need our emotions in the vehicle, but just not behind the driver's seat. We put our emotions in the passenger seat. Just let me put a little... Not as the navigator. Not as the GPS. Emotions? Not a very good GPS. Now, have you ever driven with somebody who believes that they are God's given GPS to you while you drive around? You should go this way. You should do it that way. Are those suggestions sometimes helpful? Yes, they are. Are those suggestions always helpful? No. No. My mom was telling me, my dad was telling me yesterday that my mom, who is a very nervous, very nervous passenger, always has been, but very nervous passenger, she, he, he was driving with her somewhere, started slowing down, didn't think, she didn't think he was slowing down fast enough, and literally put her hand on his leg to try and help him apply the brake, sort of, stop, brought, stop. Now, emotions are going to do that to you sometimes. 
right? Emotions are going to do that to you sometimes. They are. But you're still in the driver's seat. You're still in the driver's seat. When you deal with the source of your emotions, your heart, your spirit man in the air, and, and allow that what God has done in you and who God is in you to begin affecting every part of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, then you will begin to take the wheel and direct your life in the direction that you want it to go. And hopefully you've aligned that up with the direction God wants you to go. You see, how you see yourself and what you believe on the inside makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. Remember a few weeks ago, if you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. Whatever you believe on the inside is ultimately going to set your vision and the course for where you're going. So what is your mindset for 2020? What is your vision for next year? Given the year that has been, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, the anxieties, the fears, the victories and the breakthroughs, what are you seeing when you look at 2020? Two weeks ago, Pastor Andreas preached a powerful message, and in it he said, through the Spirit of God, we have the ability to see things in the Spirit from God's perspective. God's eye view on things. And in our downtime, the greatest thing we could possibly accomplish is to catch and realign our hearts with God's way of doing things. You see, where does the Spirit of God reside? inside. He resides inside. It's very easy to talk about being led by the Spirit, but when we're so tuned into the noise around us, we can't hear what's going on inside. It's like being in a car and you have a taxi on this side and another car this side with dropped suspension, and both of them are competing with who's got the best bass sound system. And your car is virtually levitating as you sit by the... And your wife's trying to tell you something deep and personal about her life. You're getting nothing. And that's a lot like where we're at. So much going on around us in the world. We need to shut out that noise for just a little while, daily, so that I can actually hear the deep things that God is trying to say to my heart. I can tune into God by tuning out of all the distractions. This reevaluation of our hearts is empowering. Because it recenters and realigns us. Let's go back to the car. Anybody who, who, who has driven a car for a while, when your wheels are not in alignment, your car pulls you to, to one side or another. You're going straight, but there's constant energy needing to be put in by you just to keep the car going straight. Because as soon as you let go of the steering wheel, it starts drifting off either to the left or to the right. Or maybe, maybe they're not aligned properly and there's now a, a rattle in the wheels or, and it makes the journey rather uncomfortable. You see, when we tune our hearts in and realign them with God, it's like we realign our direction with Him, how we feel with Him, so that we can go ahead without resistance, without friction, and without having to exert a lot of effort just to keep our peace or hold our tongue, or keep it together for just another day. We need to realign so that it goes smoothly, easily, without too much effort. So how do I realign my heart? What do I do to make this happen? I'm going to give you three very simple steps to that. Number one, 
When your car is out of alignment, you take it to the mechanic. When your car needs a service, you take it to the professionals. Take your heart to Jesus. He's the mechanic of your heart. Meet with Him. Get into His Word. Pick a book for the holidays, one of the books from this incredible Bible that we have. Just pick one. Go for one, an encouraging one, hopefully. Uh, Job, maybe not the right one for your holiday, just putting it out there. But pick a book, maybe God's been talking to you about it, and study it. Spend half an hour, 20 minutes, half an hour at least, just in the morning, just being quiet with that book. Ask, get a commentary on it, on your distraction. Dig into it, tuck into it, and spend time in the presence of God with the person of Jesus. You see, in the same way that your car needs a regular tune-up, so does your, your heart. You're not the same person you were five years ago. You're not the same person you were five months ago, five weeks ago, or five days ago. Your circumstances have changed. Your emotional state has changed. What you're dealing with is new and is different. But yet Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Wherever you are at, He has something for you that will guide you and help you in the midst of your situation. What Jesus on the throne looked like in your life five years ago, five months ago, five weeks ago, five days ago, is different to what Jesus on the throne of your heart needs to look like today. Did you get that? We cannot ride on yesterday's obedience indefinitely. That's like saying, I serviced my car until the, until the service plan wore out, and then I just stopped servicing it, because that's as long as you need to service it, right? Or I bought my car new, why do I need to service it? We need to address the issues of our hearts. Not once, not twice, repeatedly. I'll never forget the day that I got Steve Mankies and Annalise up here to the front of the church to demonstrate how a loving couple married for many years to express love to one another in an intimate relationship, what that could look like. And, of course, Steve being Steve, his response was, well, I told, her, I told you on the day I married you that I loved you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> it requires regular input, regular feedback. So number one, get to the service center. Get in with the mechanic. Get in with Jesus. Number two, ask yourself some questions. Ask yourself some questions. When you sit down, let me give you just three and you can, I'm sure, come up with more, but I want to give you three questions. Number one, what's bothering me? What's bothering you right now? Whether it's out there in the world, write it down. Whether it's in your marriage, in your heart, in your finance, what, what's bothering you? Write it down. Ask yourself that question. Number two, what are you unhappy about? What are you unhappy about? What's bringing sadness or sorrow to your heart? And number three, what should be bothering you but isn't? What should be bothering me but isn't? Am I bothered by the state of my neighbor across the road? Am I bothered by this person's struggle? Should I be? Am I bothered by the apathy in my heart or that I really don't, haven't wanted to have a quiet time or haven't spent time with the Lord in a long time? Am I bothered by the fact that I don't think I've heard God's voice in months? And should I be? Start asking those kinds of questions. And it's amazing how when you just take that time to just reflect, you get an understanding of what's really going on inside. And it's, the truth is, 
we know a lot of the answers or a lot of the remedies. We know intuitively, instinctively, and through the education we've had in the Word of God and our experiences what the remedies often should be. That tuning of the attitude, that changing of perspective. And finally, number three. So number one, go to the mechanic. Number two, in his presence, ask yourself some questions. And number three, make the necessary changes. Put in the new spark plug. Drain out the old oil, that old stale attitude. Just drain it out. Drain it out in His presence and fill it with some worship juice. You'll run way better on that anyways. Make the necessary changes. Let go of the garbage. Let go of the rubbish. Receive the good stuff. Luke chapter 10 is a portion of Scripture we're all very familiar with. Jesus comes into, he's got a whole bunch of disciples following him. He comes into a place, to a home where Mary and Martha, sisters, are there in this house. Martha is now, she realizes there's people coming. We need to get the meal going. This is good Middle Eastern hospitality right there. And so she's in the kitchen, she's cooking up a storm. And her sister's not there to help her, and she's quite offended by this. She goes to Jesus, and she said, Jesus, Mary's sitting here doing nothing. Why don't, don't you think you should ask her to come and help me? So she's playing, playing the power card here. She's not talking directly to her sister. She wants Jesus, because if Jesus says, you better come help me, then I don't need to fight a battle here. There's no argument. And this is Jesus' response to her. I'll read it from the Passion Translation, Luke 10, 41 and 42. Martha... My beloved Martha. So let's just pause for a moment. Jesus didn't rebuke her. Jesus didn't undermine her. He didn't say to her that your struggle is not real. He didn't tell you, oh, you're just fussing over. He didn't take away what she was feeling in the midst of her stressful situation. But he did say to her, why are you so upset and troubled, pulled away by all these many distractions? Folks, if Jesus was standing here in this auditorium this morning, you know what you've been going through for so long. You know what you've been struggling with, your anxieties. If he was standing before you right now, would he be saying, Tanay, Tanay, I love you, my boy, but boy, you're so distracted. You're running after so many things. Can we just sit for a while? Can we just talk? <coughs> Megan, Megan, girl, you've had a year, but listen, I've got some things that I want to tell you. Can we just sit and have a chat? goes on to say, Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. Isn't that incredible? Mary has chosen the good thing, the one good thing, just to be quiet in the midst of all the busyness and everything that was going on around her, uh, folks, don't, Mary was not oblivious. She knew who was coming. She knew what was going on. But in the midst of all of that, she made a quality decision to say, I'm going to sit. I understand that in our hustle, bustle, everyday lives, that decision is often a very difficult one to make. Because it just seems like the pressure that we're under gets shifted out a little bit more, and that half an hour or an hour in the morning is just going to add 
exponential pressure on the rest of the day. Now I've got even less time to do all these other important things. But the truth is, what is most important? And it's amazing how when we put ourselves in that place of what is most important, dealing with our hearts, spending time in the presence of God, we are so changed, so empowered, that all the other stuff that caused so much stress and anxiety, just kind of, it's as though when you come out of time with God, all of these things, they're right there waiting for you, and you're just going, shh, quiet, be still. I've just checked in, it's going to be okay. We've got this. We've got this. So folks, as you come out to holidays, set in place time to develop a new habit in your life. I did this, I can't remember, it was before Leah was born, I think somewhere around there, and over my Christmas holidays, I said that I was going to be getting up at 5 o'clock every morning. No, it was after Leah was born. So Leah must have been in her first year. She wasn't a year old yet. And I decided every morning I'm going to be getting up at five in the holidays to spend at least an hour and a half to two hours in the Word, in prayer, reading spiritual stuff, listening to worship music, whatever it was going to be. It looked different every morning. But I made that quality decision to do that in my holidays, in my downtime. You know, how long does it take to establish a new habit? So they say something, 14 days? 21 days? Well, get a head start while it's easy. While you have the opportunity, take advantage of it. Set that time aside. Set a new habit in place that as you work through your time of rest, that you're not only refreshed and empowered and re-envisioned, but you set in place a habit, a behavioral pattern that will stand you in good stead for the whole of 2020. Coming back to where I started, redeem the time wisely. Get into that room by yourself, shut the door, and start looking at what's really going on inside. Once you tune all of that up and align that with what God is saying, how God feels about those situations, how God feels about you, your entire outlook on everything else that's going on in the outside is going to change. You will be empowered and invigorated by the Spirit and the life of God. So I leave that with you today. I hope you've been encouraged by that today. It can make the world of difference if you apply it and if you put it into practice. Amen? So let's stand together as we close. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.